0: Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age. So parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement podcast. So, do you have a child that's interested in becoming a doctor someday? For those that are already in high school or post-secondary, have you thought about what it takes for them to get into medical school? Well, these days, getting into medical school is frankly tougher than ever. And you know, there's so many different variables to focus on. There's things like test scores, doing tons of extracurricular activities, getting recommendation letters, shadowing physicians, all kinds of things you have to consider. And even with all of those things, it's often not enough to get in. So how do you decide what to do? My guest today, Dr. Shirag Shamasyan, faced a similar problem in his youth. You See, he went to a really small high school and yet he was determined to go to a top level school. Now, fortunately for him, he figured it out and ended up becoming the only Ivy League graduate in his high school's nearly 60-year history. From that experience and more, he then went on to found Shamasian Academic Consulting and has become one of the world's foremost experts on medical school admissions, college admissions, and graduate school admissions. And now for nearly 20 years, he and his team have helped thousands of students get into medical school and top colleges. And interesting fact that I found on his website, over 90% of their students have gotten into at least one U.S. med school on the first time they apply. That's pretty solid track record from my perspective. He simply has figured out a method that seems to work. So today we're gonna explore the ins and outs, the do's and don'ts of your child getting into medical school to become the doctor that they aspire to be. And we'll also explore some ways that you can make medical school much more affordable. Today's conversation is going to be full of valuable information you won't want to miss. Dr. Shamassian, welcome to the show. Hey,
1: thanks so much for having me. I'm eager to get into it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can tell. I mean, you've been for a while. What, what keeps the, the fires burning um, 20 years in, into this?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. You know, sometimes I feel like because, you know, the same times each year we go, I, I guess we go through the same cycle every single year. Right, so January has the same opportunities and worries. March, April, May, October, same thing, um, and that's in some ways, you know, tough because we know what's coming for our students, right? We know when they're going to be experiencing jubilation, when they're going to be experiencing a lot of anxiety, and you know, even though you know we're on the we're on the other side, looking back, and we know our students are you know going to be okay. It's hard to see them struggle, but that's also what keeps me going as far as, you know, students Mm -hmm. coming to us and having these great aspirations for their career and for their education um, and just knowing that we're there to help make that happen. And, you know, it's not me going through the admissions process myself for my own education. But every single year when students, you know, experience that joy and success and, you know, that celebration and their parents thank us and all that kind of stuff, it makes it all worth it. All those difficult, you know, anxious seasons, uh, those periods of confusion, uh, you know, waiting while schools, you know, are deciding whether or not to interview you, all that good stuff. So, I mean, that's the primary thing. It's just... Uh, it doesn't get old. It really, really doesn't get old mm. to see your students succeed in that way and become physicians and you know help the help people uh, is it's amazing. So I just see it as a as a treat. But then also there's there are other aspects to it, right? So when I founded um, the organization, I didn't have I really didn't have like a specific goal of you know serving X number of students by you know this date or anything like that. Uh, it was really mm-hmm. organic and uh, you know. How it grew and it was out of necessity. So, when I was back in high school, like you said, I didn't have much in the way of college counseling. So, I had to learn it for myself. And then people started asking me, Hey, I heard you got into so and so. I heard you got this many scholarships. Like, I kind of want that too. And, you know, they got help.
0: And full props to you. This was, this was like back before the days of Google, right? Old school.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was nothing. You got to (laughs) like go to a book or a bookstore, like a Barnes and Noble, and buy a college guide or essay guide or whatever. So, it was uh, it was definitely harder to find good information, and the information wasn't as good I think you know as you can find today, and so you know all these people were coming and getting help, they were succeeding, and then telling their friends, and over time it sort of proliferated, and and so that allowed me to actually do this work, um, you know full time as I do it today, uh, but there are also interesting stuff from a you know from an entrepreneurial standpoint, you know how do you develop a website. Um, how do you write Mm -hmm. a great, uh, guide, uh, on a blog? Um, how do you do YouTube and, you know, play with audio and video? Like we were talking about microphones earlier and, and, Mm -hmm. and there are other things about, you know, working on an entrepreneurial venture and, you know, creating and tinkering and supporting students along the way. Um, I mean, it just, it's really, really fun and that's what keeps me going.
0: What, what are some of the, the big changes you've seen, um, happen over the years, you know, since those, those early days to, to now?
1: Yeah. So back in a day, you know, I'm talking 10 and certainly 15 years ago, you know, when students came to the med school admissions process, if you said, you know, I have such and such GPA, I have such and such MCAT score, I've gotten X, Y, and Z hours in extracurricular, certain extracurricular categories, we could reasonably predict that, yeah, you'll get into a med school. Obviously, the level at which you did these things is going to impact where you get in, but we feel pretty confident you'll get in somewhere. Um, it just got harder and harder and harder. The average GPAs for people who to get into med schools went up, continues to go up. Same thing with MCAT scores. It's not enough anymore to do, you know, certain hours of extracurriculars. So certain hours of research, certain hours of you know, patient exposure. You have to achieve a specialty in one or more of their areas and you know develop what's called a specialty or a spike. In other words, you know, a spike in one of your extracurriculars. So you might be a rock star researcher or a rock star when it comes to service initiatives. And so, you know, having a clear shtick has become more and more important over time. I think that rec letters have it's, also, go ahead, I'm sorry.
0: Well, it's what I'm hearing from you there is, is you know, what used to be a differentiator, like scores and whatnot, yep. no longer is, right? There's just so many students that are that are already excelling, you know, with, with high scores academically and, the bar has just been raised, so all the th- things that before can make you stand out now is just almost like that's like the ground level, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And and if you really want to to stand out now, you've got you've got a as you put like a, a spike or find some unique aspect. And it's to me, it's it's like trying to do anything, whether it's even you know trying to get a a, a job or a position. It's there's like a, there's a hundred different people applying or a thousand different people applying. How are they going to remember you you in that stack of so many different people
1: exactly and you know parents sometimes come to me and they say what are they expecting of our kids these days you know earlier and earlier they have to figure it all out and i'm like well that this is the world we're in you know everything that we do as professionals requires some specialty and something to be known for one of the you know analogies i i use is imagine if you wanted to buy a loaf of bread and you see two stores side by side one of them has plastered on the top you know boulangerie and you see these beautiful breads and croissants in the case and that's what they do and then next door you see a shop that repairs tires and bakes bread and they also sell milk (laughs) and i don't know they also you know make pants or whatever and knowing nothing else you're probably going to go to the bakery for the bread right? And so when schools see folks who are almost too well-rounded, or what we call box checkers, um, they're not going to be as standout as the person who doubled down. And a lot of people think that, you know, good medical schools require specialty in research, but not other stuff. But that couldn't be further from the truth. We've had people who, you know, specialize in, you know, child social welfare policy work, where they help pass some bills about Increasing child welfare for kids who are in the foster care system and served as a big brother, or big sister, that kind of thing, and, and everything on down. So I think that students are really only limited by their creativity.
0: So is this more just about, like, I guess, finding a way to, to, to beat the system? Or is there something about um, students who actually take this creative um, approach to, to stand out that, you know, when, when med schools are looking at candidates, seeing that, okay, someone like that is likely to be a more successful doctor? Is there, is there a correlation there?
1: What they're looking for are certain qualities. Um, And this is why the specialty building is key. Because if you're just looking at box checkers, I mean, you could take any super high achieving student and say, this is the playbook execute on these things. They'll do well on it just as they'll do well on the physics test. You know, they'll put in the hours, get it, you know, boom, moving on. And medical schools are really looking for people who, yeah, they, you know, they're, sufficiently intelligent and all that good stuff. And, you know, they've shown a commitment to the field, but they also want to see that they're challenging themselves in terms of, you know, having interactions with diverse populations, demonstrating commitment to their local community and so on. Because, you know, when you go on every medical school site, they're talking about diversity initiatives, uh, serving that community. And so if all you're doing is, you know, putting in the hours, shattering a physician, working at a front desk of a hospital. Joining a lab, but not producing, not being on publications, stuff like that. You just look like the person who showed up. They Mm. showed up. You clocked in and you clocked out. And so that desire to be a doctor and to serve the populations you keep writing about, um, it's not going to, you know, you're not going to sell that super well. But if you now focus on, you know, developing a specialty and your track record oozes that, it's difficult, it's impossible to argue that that's not what you're about. And mm. these are the kinds of things we think about.
0: Interesting. So in some ways, it's also, I guess, being aware of you know, the values and the mission of these med schools, right? And what are you doing to contribute towards that? And obviously they're gonna be looking for the kinds of students that help them fulfill their, their mission and purpose as, a, as an organization. That's that right. Makes a lot of sense. So wh- when is kind of the right time to start even thinking about this? Process right, so that you've got enough, say, runway to to put together the the ideal um, package.
1: Well, I mean, there are different uh, there are different ideal times. Uh, so there are some people in high school who they know they want to be physicians and they want to get into what's called direct med programs. So these are otherwise known as BSMD or BSDO or BAMD or BADO program, depending on the specific degree <laughs> offerings. But they're all lumped together as direct med programs, and these are the six or Sometimes six, but usually seven or eight year programs where you would get your undergrad and medical school degree, um, you know, sort of consecutively and don't have to apply out or anything like that. Now, many of them now okay. have minimum MCAT requirements. So if you're a high schooler and you're like, look, this is all I want to do. I don't want to worry about, you know, X, Y and Z when I'm in college. I just want to focus on medicine and my other opportunities, having that assurance. You might need to start thinking about it in ninth grade all the way up to, you know, maximize your chances there. But suppose you're in college, um, again, first year, you really have to start thinking about it because there are a lot of prerequisite courses relative to like a humanities major or if you want to be a lawyer or something like that. There are basically two years of coursework you have to take um, in biology, chemistry, physics and math. And so if you decide later on, well, you're going to have to play a lot of catch up, maybe take a fifth year, maybe do a postbac program or something like that. But then the other thing is because you're looking to develop this extracurricular spike, if you take too much time, you're going to be behind there, too. Most people think about being behind in terms of coursework. You can also be extracurricularly behind, which, frankly, we find to be the bigger problem. If you go to any school yeah. that has any sort of pre-med infrastructure, which, you know, is is most of them here in the States, at least the the schools that, you know, come to mind. There's a, there's a course playbook, essentially. You take these courses in your first year, these in your second year. By the time your second year is done, you have 80 plus percent of those ready. You could take the MCAT and so on and so forth. Um, and then, but you know, extracurricularly, no one tells you when you need to join a lab, when you need to complete shadowing or things like that. And some people take on too little at the beginning and then they're like, holy cow, like I need to catch up. Or there are some people who, you know, take on too much at the beginning their grades suffer. And now they're behind the eight ball with grades and they're dropping extracurriculars and there's lack of continuity. So having a solid game plan over the course of four years, I think is really important uh, and something that we love to assist our students with.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So um, what are, are, there some other like key myths that you see out there um, happening now or just some, some, some other like really
1: bad mistakes Bad mistakes, um, taking on too many difficult courses from the get-go, taking on too many or too little, uh, too few extracurriculars, those are huge. Um, Other issues include when you focus on the MCAT, which is the standardized test for medical school, most people obsess over all of the test content. I need to study sufficient, you know, biochem and physics and reading comprehension, all that kind of stuff. But then when it comes to test strategy, they are lost. They're completely lost. So you have a lot of people who are book ready, but not test ready. And that's a huge problem because the MCAT at the end of the day is a test and they insert distracting question, you know, answers to confuse you and to trip you up. And they essentially want to make sure that you have a not like solid enough knowledge to apply the science for the purposes of answering questions rather than just knowing how glycolysis works in the body or something like that. And so that's a big one. Another one is underestimating the strength of recommendation letters. I can't tell you how many people come to me two months before the application and they say, "Um, so I only have two letters. I don't know what to do about the third. I don't have anyone I can ask. So how do I get around this? And my answer is there is no getting around it. I wish we had spoken a year ago right? Um, Because you have to plan out not only, you know, because there are relationships. I can't come to you today and say, Hey, remember me from three years ago? I got an A in your class. Cool. Can I, can you write me a letter? It doesn't work that way. Um, You have to, (laughs) you know, you have to build a relationship, seek their mentorship so that they're excited about writing a letter. Because even if you got a neutral or lukewarm letter, that's probably going to hurt you more than help and, or they're going to just toss it, you know? And so you have to build Mm -hmm. that that thinking early about who's gonna write your rec letters and then obviously the quality of your essays. People go online all the time and they just look up tips, you know, five tips to write an essay. Be yourself. And it's like, what does that do? What does that tip do for you? So, so making sure that the application narrative is cohesive, all the different sections work together. They quote unquote speak together um, to tell a story, a unified story about you. And then of course, interview coaching is important because people bomb that routinely. So to answer your question, um, you can fail at every <laughs> step. I mean, you know what I mean. So there are a yeah. lot of different components, and each of those have potential failure points. Hmm. Wow,
0: that's a uh, that's a lot to take in.
1: Not trying um, to scare everybody, but just more more so <laughs> trying to warn. Hey, you got to be thoughtful about each step.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I'm just I'm curious then um, with with the work that that you do. When when is that typically s- like, what's your like your ideal scenario if um, you were to work with with a student to help them be successful?
1: Ideal is you know, folks come uh, the summer before their freshman year. We plan out their coursework. We plan out extracurriculars. We develop develop a plan for the coming year, two years. Make sure that they have everything to take the MCAT as soon as possible, so they can apply straight through. Um, that they have sufficient extracurriculars. At the same time, um, no matter when someone comes, uh, to us, you know, it's going to be valuable. Uh, it's going to, it's one of those, you know, what's that saying? I, pardon me if I'm not getting it quite right, but the best time to sign up was yesterday. The second best is today, essentially. Right. Where yeah. at like every point, there, a yep. At, at very point you know, at every point, there's a ton of value. And so many people come, you know, right before the applications begin, cause they have, you know, essays they want assistance with. And that's, terrific too because you don't want to be too in too deep and have submitted something uh not great for your you know for your primary application and with your supplements you're basically playing catch-up so the earlier the better ideal before college starts but frankly at any point you're going to get a ton of value
0: so then is that that journey then continue like throughout their um their whole undergraduate degree then until until they're they're basically accepted.
1: Exactly. Um, And then you have other folks on the other end of the spectrum where they're non-traditional. I get emails, you know, every week about, hey, I'm a 28 year old accountant. I always want to do medicine. I didn't think I could do it. So I went into accounting, but now I want to pursue my dream. Can you help a non-traditional or a quote unquote non-trad like me? Um, So again, we can help people with their career change process. Uh, In other words, it's, it's never a bad time. To reach out mm. because there is value at every stage.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, like the cost of med school and, and whatnot. You know that that in of itself can be you know mm-hmm. quite a quite a hurdle. In addition, to just trying to get into um, to med school. So I, I understand you've also got some, you know, you yourself have, have found a lot of effective ways to you know to get um. Uh, scholarships and whatnot for for yourself in in your your journey, um, and you've helped a lot of students do that as well. I'd love for you to talk a bit about that.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I graduated from undergrad with no you know tuition debt. You know, same thing when I got my doctorate, and I get questions about this all the time too. And scholarships are an interesting thing when it comes to medical school admissions because you know, unfortunately, medical school is astronomically expensive, uh, in the United States. And, you know, comparatively, you know, our, our services are like a drop in the bucket compared to that, because a lot of our students who go to a medical school, um, you know, they're taking on two, $300,000 in debt. And, you know, I think the, the promise that's given to a lot of young physicians to be is, oh, don't worry. You know, once you're out of school and residency, you know, you're going to make a lot and don't worry, you could pay that off. But, you know, the, when you have those loans plus interest and, you know, when you pay taxes and have your life expenses, it could take a long time sure. to pay yeah. that kind of money back. Um, and so it's important to think about this stuff early. Um, You know, so when students, when parents are really thoughtful about their child's education, you know, they might start these 529 plans where, you know, they can contribute, um, know their you know tax advantage money uh to their kids education including to medical school but let's say you know that was that didn't you know factor into your plans early on and now you're you know going to seek medical school well first things first um you know hopefully and i'm not saying this stuff just offhand because i know how hard it is to get into any individual medical school but hopefully uh when you do get into medical school um, you have some options that are lower cost or, uh, you know, almost no cost. And what I mean by that is with lower cost, you know, if you if you get into your state's public school, it's going to be significantly, you know, I don't want to call it cheaper, but lower cost than, you know, going to a private medical school. So let's say I'm in California and I'm you know fortunate enough to get into, say, UC Irvine. Um, you know, then it's going to be way cheaper for me to attend there versus, you know, uh, Keck Med um, at USC. Right. And Keck is a great school. Nothing against just to just to, you know, compare the two. And, mm-hmm. you know, but but the unfortunate thing is a lot of students, you know, listening to this will say, oh, yeah, I would love to have the luxury of having a multiple options because, uh, you know, it's hard enough to get into just one and be one mm-hmm. of those options. Is a public state school, right? And mm-hmm. um, but but that's you know that's ideal to have that choice. Now there are some schools where you can get in as an out-of-state student, even if it's a public school, and your first year tuition might be ridiculously high. But you become the resident of that state after a year and then you get state advantage tuition. Like, for instance, in like South Carolina, their their tuition numbers are, you know, astronomically high. But, you know, if you can get a state residency after year one, you know, that might be more favorable to you. Um, But let's say, you know, you don't get into a public school and, and that's not a possibility. You get into private school. Well, there's a tiny subset of schools. Um, you know, that are going to give their students financial aid across the board. Unfortunately, those are ultra competitive programs like NYU and Kaiser. Uh, and and then you have other schools that have very prestigious scholarships, like Stanford has something called Knight Hennessy. Um, and so, if you're, or UCLA, we've helped, you know, several people get, you know, full rides and stuff like that. But obviously, these are very few and far in between. Um, and so, you're going to have to probably seek private scholarships. And the way you seek private scholarships, is good old Google. Um, You essentially, yeah, you essentially, you know, Google aspects about you and see if you can get private niche scholarships. Like for instance, uh, I'm Armenian American, so I'm ethnically Armenian, um, but I was born and raised in the States. So I would look up back in the day, tons of Armenian scholarships. So scholarships for Armenian students interested in science or whatever. And, and then you apply, apply, apply. So a lot of people try to look for the big scholarships where everyone's eyeballs are looking. Um, but then I like to look for the hidden gems that don't have a lot of competition. But hey, 2000 is 2000, whether it's a prestigious, right. very well-known scholarship or something lesser known. Um, so ethnic scholarships are super important. I don't know if you have, uh, if you're a member of a certain disability community, you can look into that member of a certain mm-hmm. States. If you're, you know, if you're a woman who's pursuing medicine, there might be opportunities there. So you just got to you know, 2000 here, 5,000 there, 1000 here, 500 there, these things stack up over time. And I think sometimes when people see like, ugh, my tuition, 60K, thousand bucks, whatever. Well, that thousand bucks with interest over time is not just a thousand, also every bit counts, you know, um, if, and so you just got to apply, apply, apply. The good news is your personal statement can be adapted for, you know, these kinds of scholarships. Um, so that's what i recommend you know look for lower cost options to begin with as well as you know no cost options which are very very difficult so i'm saying i keep saying that because i know that people listening will say yeah i wish i could get into nyu duh well how about for us mere mortals you know kind of thing but that's why you know most people are going to probably have to look for private scholarships as well but you know if you go to med school in the united states chances are you're going to have to take on, you know, some loans unless your parents are super wealthy or something like that.
0: Yeah, no, I understood. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit, um, you know, my, my, my girlfriend, her, her daughter, just is going to to university for the first time this year. And, um, yeah, they, they worked with uh, an organization here in Canada that basically has like this database of, um, like hundreds, thousands of, of scholarships. And, um, we're asking there are all kinds of questions just trying to dig like anything from her background, right? Yep. Anything unique or, yeah, that, um, that, that's it, you know? And yeah, because yeah, there's all, a lot of these things are pretty much just you know a lot of times just dormant. Like no one's like <laughs> for them because no one, hardly anyone knows about mm-hmm. them. So it's just, it's almost like free money. Um, just when you be, be handed out, but you do have to, you know, put in the work, as you said, it requires effort to apply to all of these scholarships, but, um, you know, it's good, good effort to reward, uh, Race in a lot of cases, if you're willing to put in the work.
1: Hmm. Exactly. So yeah, it's just a, a matter of you know who's willing to be the best archaeologist because you got to go digging. And some of these niche, you know, organizations, they they want they're itching to give out money. You know, like that's why they exist, and they're actually hoping people find them. Uh, and a lot of scholarship organizations like struggle to find good candidates and. Um, but I would caution people from only taking the lazy approach, which is just going to like a scholarships.com, putting their name and being like, look, no essay scholarship. I'm just gonna apply. Well, those are just to typically just trying to get your email so they could sell their list to somebody else. So um the you gotta find the diamonds mm-hmm. in the rough.
0: Right. I see. So Google is still your your ultimate go to destination. It is. Yeah. Um you know, I know there's a lots of different things we can we can cover when it comes to, you know, trying to get into to med school and making it affordable. What, what, what haven't we covered yet so far that you think is really important for people to, to know about?
1: Yeah, I mean, these are the, at a high level, uh, you know, we're, we're covering all the bases. Uh, med school admissions, I, I suppose, like everything else, um, each section is its own rabbit hole. So, you know, if we want to chat about MCAT, can nerd out about MCAT for hours and hours. You want to talk about essays, you can nerd out about that for hours and hours. Um, I mean, we could talk about you know medical residency admissions. We could talk about um, direct med programs more, MCAT more. Yeah, it's uh, whatever folks are going to find most valuable. The, the, the biggest sticking points I find, people are obsessed about the MCAT, obsessed about personal statements, interviews, and, um, and those are the big ones. And oh, reapplication is a big one. Where people who applied didn't get in, what do they do next mm-hmm. time to get in?
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, let's 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 touch on that one then. So, what what happens in that case where they're in success and they're like, "Hey,
1: all right, uh, Chirag, What can I do now? Yep, I need your help." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, first things first, being a reapplicant is the norm rather than the exception, or you know, being a rejected applicant. So, in the states for MD programs. Every single year, roughly 40% of people matriculate into an MD program, meaning nearly 60% or a little over 60%, depending on the year, don't get in anywhere. And so you have a bunch of people who are either first-time applicants who got rejected or they tried the second time and they didn't get in and so on. And because of this, and then there are some stats about the percentage of first-time applicants who get in, and also the percentage of like re-applicants who get in and first time applicants get in at a higher rate than re-applicants, which has led to a lot of people like this proliferation of this idea that, you know, being a re-applicant is bad and you got to avoid being a re-applicant at all costs. And people ask me all the time, you know, am I in trouble if I have to be a re-applicant and all these different things. And my answer is no, nope, not necessarily. Um, and I and I go against the grain here because I call it the, the reapplicant stain myth, as though, you know, like that book, The Scarlet Letter, um, where the main character had a scarlet A uh, almost to say like, you know, you know she's uh, she's an adulterer or adulterers. I forget the word. Um, and so, just a heads up, she's been marked in that way. Um, a lot of people, I think, think they have like a scarlet R, like, ooh, reapplicant. Mm-hmm. It's like this taboo thing you have to avoid at all costs. But frankly, mm-hmm. in my work, I mean, we've helped so many reapplicants get into medical school. My conclusion is now that what matters is the strength of your application at the time of your application. Okay. It's not about, uh, you know whether you're a first-time applicant or a reapplicant. It's how good are you when you apply. So someone who's a reapplicant, if they you know addressed all their gaps from their previous application, wrote way better essays, improved their MCAT score and stuff like that, they're going to be in a solid spot. Um, but for people who stick to this idea of the reapplicant stain, um, I want to challenge them with this. So I'm a I'm a big basketball fan. So if folks don't mind. Um, you know me using a basketball analogy for this. Okay, let's take let's take a bunch of let's take uh, 20 people, okay, who are okay. going to try out for a basketball team and the basketball team's only going to take 12 people, okay? So 8 people are not going to make it, 12 people are going to make it. All right. Um the I don't know. Everyone tries out and then you know they post the results on the wall who's made the team and who didn't make the team. There are going to be some people who are going to be shoe-ins. You know, the the Michael Jordan of the team, they're obviously going to get in. Sure. No, no matter how yeah. many times you hold the tryout, doesn't matter. They're going to be on the team. There are some people. It's pure raw talent. Yeah. You know, there's going to be somebody else who's going to be, I don't know, um, super non-athletic. They might be, you know, exceptionally short or lack ball, hand, whatever it is. And no matter how many times you hold the tryout, that person's not going to be on the team. Right? And then there are going to be people who more than likely will make it every time. Some people who are going to more than likely not make it every time. And then there are going to be borderline people. You know, the person who was number 12 and number 13, the coach probably struggled to make that decision. Okay. So now you have the same eight people try out next year. Okay. And mm-hmm. let's say the 12 graduated and moved on. So it's a new, new, there are 12 new people and eight people who are trying out again. A subset of those eight might get in. But a subset won't, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of the 12 who are first timers, their odds of making a team will be higher. So the percentage of the first timers will be higher than the percentage of the second time tryouts. And people might conclude that, well, it's because you're a second time, you know, tryout, you know, athlete. That's why. And there was a stain. Well, no, not necessarily, because if you didn't get in the first time, on average, people who didn't make it were less good at basketball to begin with than the people who made it, right? So it's a correlation, not causation thing. So in other words, for medical school admissions, if I didn't get in the first time, chances are members of that group who didn't get in on average are weaker than the people who got in. So if you apply as a reapplicant and have struggle, is it because you're a reapplicant period or because you were less good to begin with, right? Right. Right. And so that's why you have to focus on being as strong as possible at the time of application.
0: Yeah. So working on correcting whatever areas were weak in your uh, your application or your your basketball skills, if you were. Right. Yeah. Kind of reminds me a little you about know, basketball. My my son, David, who's 14 now he's one thing about with with COVID going on. Um, you know, he was, he was huge into baseball and then, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of went away with um, so he just gravitated to playing a lot of street ball with his friends and of anyway so yeah huge Toronto Raptors fan of there course. you go but uh yeah I think about Kobe Bryant in his early days um you know amazing uh former Laker and you know there was one I remember reading about him where it's like one year he like didn't make a basket like like the whole whole season if I remember that correctly or he's something similar to that and um you know he just decided I'm gonna become best in the world and dedicated his life to that about age 13 and then you know put in like three four hours a day contributing to that craft and then became one of the the best of all time so um yeah definitely you know it's, it's always an opportunity to um you know put in the effort and and become that uh, that winning basketball player.
1: I grew up in Los Angeles. I'm a diehard Laker fan. So um, any good Laker story makes me happy. Um, but also uh, I remember when the Toronto Raptors first started in the mid nineties um, and Damon Stoudemire was their first ever draft pick. I had a purple Toronto Raptors, Damon Stoudemire jersey. So I'm, uh, oh, no, I've, right. I've always been a, you know, they've been an interest of mine uh, even though they'll never touch my Lakers, but congrats on the 2019 <laughs> championship. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, hopefully hopefully, not too much longer for the the next one. There you but, go. Uh, it's good. Definitely not going to be this year. No. You know, one thing that did come to mind as you were talking is like there are a lot of people, uh, a lot of parents listening right now, you know, are you know, exploring or are currently, you know, have their kids in some more alternative forms of education, like unschooling, for example. Right. And um, maybe they're doing that through, you know, the high school years. Um, yeah. Curious if there's any I mean A, if you ever worked with with uh, students like that and if if um, there's any particular advice you have for them to position themselves well when they're they're not part of the, the standard you know uh, education process?
1: Yeah, so that's um, so all of that is well and good, right? So in during, even you know, middle school, high school years, if people are doing you know homeschooling or alternative schooling and all that kind of stuff. Um, but when it comes to med school admissions, You know fortunately or unfortunately there are some narrow expectations right so you have to obviously get college level courses and you know do a certain amount of credits and you know take take specific prerequisites and stuff like that so i guess my advice to parents who you know are pursuing alternative you know routes for education for their kid is make sure to develop the skills and habits and interests early on i don't care if they're in a regular high school or you're doing it at home um, essentially making sure that, you know, students are looking to build their, their profiles and explore the interest in medicine. I see so many people and, you know, I was, uh, I think my family is pretty guilty of this too, where, you know, they basically said, you know, go to school and then, you know, become a doctor or dentist or a lawyer or whatever, get a stable job with benefits, all this kind of stuff. But no one ever asked me like what I wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. and no one, and, and, you know, when I thought about what I wanted to do, no one, you know I there wasn't anyone to turn to. And fortunately, you know, I was able to figure it out, but um, you know, not everyone is in the same position that I am where I was able to do that. And so I guess with parents, it's like, well, if they're showing a propensity for medicine, You know, seek out shadowing opportunities. Let them actually see what a doctor does. How many times have we been interested in something and then you do it? You're like, I'm not that into it. Um, You know, hobbies and you buy all this stuff on Amazon and you're like, I'm not that into it or whatever. So actually try the thing that you're sort of interested in and and see if you can Mm -hmm. get deeper in there. Maybe it's a summer research opportunity. It's so valuable to find out not just what you like, but also what you don't. Um, And because that's going to allow you to, you know, make the proper pivots or go deeper into places. So you know, if you're homeschooling or doing any sort of alternative school, make sure to use time outside the class. It's not just about studying anatomy books. Um, It's about going out out there doing, you know, health, you know, health related service work and so on and so forth. Um, Like I had a student recently, I was talking to a mom and her daughter and, and she said, well, like, why would these school, like, why would schools expect my, you know, daughter to get patient exposure experience during a pandemic? Is it even safe? I said, well, she's, trying to pursue the job where she's going to put her health at risk every day. Like if she's unwilling to do it when she's, you know, when she's looking to impress them, it's probably not a good sign. And so, you know, it is, it does require sacrifice and risk and all these kinds of things. And, and it's a long road, four years of school, it's expensive, multiple years of residency. So I encourage students, like parents to, you know, encourage their kids exploration, not just say it's a good job. It's well-respected. You make good money. And uh, people are always going to need doctors, so do it. That's not good enough. You know, you yeah. actually have to explore it and do it the right way.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really got to be something ultimately that they're they're driven and motivated to do. Yeah, there's not, no better way to discover that than through actual hands-on experience. Precisely. So, awesome. Um, any any final words? Uh, this has been uh, amazing. Um, conversation with you um dr Shamassian, and I know I, I poked around I downloaded your um your massive uh you know guides on your your website which really walks through all this in in even much greater detail and it's all free which is which is pretty amazing um in addition to you know what what you offer um through your your services um is there any, any other final words you'd like to to share with with parents out there as we just kind of wrap up
1: you know i feel like your my answer to your last question was a pretty nice ending point about you know actually seeing if you enjoy this and um and thank you also for the shout out about our resources i i decided early on you know because there was no way my family could afford you know the services we provide for families and and so i said from the get-go you know i just want to create resources that even if someone never contacted me that they can get the world of information from them and. Um, and uh, and I know that there are people who consume it every single day that I've never heard from, and it's a treat to put it out there. So, um, you know, thank you for um, you know for having me on, and for parents or students who are interested in medicine, definitely check out the site or type a topic about med school and followed by Shamasian and find our guide on the subject. Because frankly, there's so much information, uh, you're going to go way deeper with one of the written resources than I could ever possibly communicate during this kind of conversation. Because there's only so much detail we can cover. So if ever if ever someone wants to get out and contact me and ask questions, people post on the site all the time. I respond to comments all the time. So it'd be a pleasure to help people.
0: Fantastic. And and where where can people find uh, that information and get in touch?
1: Yeah, so the site, uh, shemmassyangconsulting.com. Uh, I'm sure you'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, Absolutely. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like I said, you take my last name, you type in the topic you're interested in and you'll find that resource. And we even, you know, you're in Canada. We actually have, a lot of content on med schools in Canada and where Canadians can go to schools in the U S we support Canadians as well. So, um, however we can, you know, guide families, it would be a pleasure. Awesome.
0: Well, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Um, and, you know, clearly, you know, you found your, your passion, as you said, it doesn't, doesn't get old. Um, each year is, is a, another gift, another opportunity to, to change lives and, and to make an impact in the world. And, um, you know, I just thank you for all the the work that you're doing um, to create a better place.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. This was a treat. See ya. Okay.